0: From being vice president of special programs for Patriot Group International to being a founder of a human sex trafficking nonprofit, Lee Gibson shares how his mission is to stop human sex trafficking. So many interesting nuggets that he shares that you will have to listen to hear how he started this mission by collaborating with other former military special ops, intelligence community professionals, law enforcement, social service workers, legal professionals, business owners, and church leaders. Stay tuned for his impactful story. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. And today, my guest is the incredible Lee Gibson. Thank you for being here today, Lee. Thanks for having me. And thank you to Rob Hughes for introducing us. So I'm so glad to be connected to you. Awesome. And for those of you who don't know, Lee Gibson is the founder and currently acts as the Executive Director of Relentless Pursuit Outreach and Recovery. It is a community-centered, faith-based organization dedicated to eradicating human trafficking. As an organization, Relentless Pursuit strives to heal and restore survivors, bring justice to offenders, educate others on prevention and awareness, and be leaders in the community in order to end the exploitation of human beings. You can find out more information at contact at rpor.org. Well, Lee, thank you so much for being here. I know your your schedule is extremely busy with travel and everything that you do. So I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you?
1: Man, that's a, that's a tough one uh, at a couple different levels, man. I mean, uh, in my real job, I invest in a bunch of former special operations guys, and we do work for the government overseas. And I became the program manager about four years ago and, and just the value of investing in those guys, uh, by invest, not even financially. Like just those guys aren't used to know, having a program manager that actually cares about them and like, knows their family's names and, and works with them on the schedule, uh, to make sure they're getting the right time with their families for weddings and birthdays. So I think more than just investing your time to let guys like that know that you care about them. And then that's just transitioned really well to the nonprofit that we started uh, which our first project I'm actually sitting in it right now is Christine's place. It's a drop-in center for victims of prostitution and, and sex trafficking. So in there uh, I found that investing in people just literally sitting down and having a cup of coffee with a girl and just seeing what's going on. And the crazy thing is, it's not a huge investment, just a little, little bit of time and a little bit of conversation. And you find out literally the thing that's keeping her trapped in this cycle of poverty and homelessness and prostitution, she doesn't have an ID. And you're like, wow. I can get you an ID. That's pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a a long answer to a, a question, but yeah, it's I think it's it's more investing time and just sitting down with somebody and showing them that you actually care what they have to say and you're you're actually there to help them and don't expect anything in return.
0: Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And that's why I start off with that question because everybody's answer is is different, but most of the time it is a lengthy answer because it's, it's not easy to answer that, right? But you hit the nail on the head when you said it's really about investing your time to show someone that you care. And so how, I mean, this woman that you have talked to, now that you've started this nonprofit, you are helping women get off the streets from human trafficking, from prostitution, and all you found out was that she needed an ID, Wow. And bef- and before we were we were chatting, I mean, before we started recording, we were chatting about someone just needed a bus ticket home. Yep. So tell us how you invested in that person and what the outcome was from that.
1: Yeah, she uh, one of the other girls that's come in here a few times uh, showed up one morning, like 10 minutes before we opened. Uh, I let him in. And just the normal process here is just let him sit down, warm up, obviously, because it's cold right now, offer him a hot meal, uh Get them some gloves and a hat. Let them watch TV, um, and then just you know, you can usually tell when somebody wants to talk to you, or if somebody's just in that mood. Like, hey man, I'm just trying to warm up. I don't really care, and you, you know, you just kind of leave that girl alone. This girl was really quiet at first, um, and I think just because she was half frozen to death, mm. uh, you know, got her some coffee. She drank a couple Gatorades, a bite to eat, and then she just started chatting. So then, you know, I sat down next next to her and. We get to talk in and she was looking for a, you know, potentially thinking that we could help find her a shelter here in the Kansas city area. And I was like, for sure. You know, we got a couple different options. I can make some phone calls. So I get up and I start moving around. Some of the other girls were talking with her and probably two or three hours in, I don't even, I didn't hear the conversation start. I just walked back into the room of that. She's got family in Arkansas that she hadn't seen in years. And man, if she could just get back there, it would just completely change her life. And she just needs to get out of this city. So I went and grabbed my laptop, I was sitting behind everybody and I just, you know, Googled, bus tickets uh, from Kansas City to Little Rock. was $166. So, obviously, I then went and started back talking to her and saying, hey, you know, can you get a hold of your family members down there? Would they be able to pick you up? And, you know, just the look in her eyes uh, when she thought that I was even thinking about getting a bus ticket. And I was like, took me five minutes online, bought the bus ticket, got her the confirmation number. And yeah, And everybody started crying, which is like, oh, (laughs) so...
0: Yeah. I mean, that brings tears to my eyes. What a, what a beautiful yeah. story. And how long have you guys been doing this? Cause it hasn't been that long.
1: So yeah, we started as an organization in uh, August of 2019, but we, this is just one of our projects, which is Christine's place named after Christine McDonald, who has written a couple of books. She was trafficked here in Kansas city for 17 years. She's an amazing person. She's actually on our board. And we thought it fitting being this project at the drop-in center and eventually a, a, a crisis shelter. Um, we named the drop-in center after her, um, So we opened the doors of Christine's place, uh, December 18th. So, and we're only open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from nine to five right now. So we've essentially been in operation for 15 days.
0: Wow. Being down here. Wow. And have you seen a lot of, uh, women come in there in those 15 days?
1: Absolutely. I think we're just right at about 47 different girls that have made 137 or 138 visits. Uh, we track it as best we can, but like even we're down here today and we're not open, we're down here you know, going through some donations and organizing the clothes and, and all the stuff that people have given us to give back to these girls. So we just organized and we're still trying to re- renovate the other side of the building so we can expand our operations. Uh But anytime we see a girl walk by or the words out, you'll see him and they will come start looking in the window. We're going to let him in here if we're in here. So for sure. yeah, we'll just come in this morning as we were here going through donations. Uh So yeah, that's about 137 visits here in, uh, 15 days of operation. So we wow. immediately man, right? We, December 18th, we opened up just a small 800 square foot section of the building. So it's, yeah, it's right on independence Avenue. And our thought process behind that was, you know, a lot of different, you know, a lot of different organizations do it differently. You have some of your long-term shelters that are out on farms or, you know, out, you know, thinking, Hey, remove somebody from that. And that I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, that's more of like a long-term residential once a girl gets through that, but, that girl can't find her way out 15 miles out into the country, right? I mean, so okay. we thought, let's go to the gates of hell where the problem is and buy a building and then stand there and go, come on in. <laughs> wow. Uh, relationship with them. So that's, that's what we did. And so, yeah, the building has six different addresses. Uh, all It's a big brick building that faces Independence Avenue. Um, and we just started small, 800-square-foot uh, section, just to make sure that it was going to work and that the girls were actually going to come in. And like I said, yeah, our first weekend, by the second weekend, I think we had 30, 32 girls come through uh, the second weekend. So we're like, all right, yeah, this is obviously what we're supposed to be doing. This is working. So we immediately started renovating the next section, uh, which we have partially open right now. We finally got a shower and a second bathroom open. So the girls loved the shower this weekend, but we're, we're still kind of finishing up. We're doing a little library area, a little art area we, again, we're learning as we go. And one of the, on the first or second weekend, most of the girls that would come through, they were asking if we had coloring books. Mm. You know, I just wouldn't have thought that. But, you know, a lot of these girls, you know, in their minds, talking to them, you're like, yeah, 13 to 16, 17 year old is kind of some of their mentality. So we're just adjusting as we go down the path with them. And so we're building a whole corner for like an art area because we've seen that they, a lot of them like to paint and color. A lot of them come in looking for, you know, certain kinds of books. So we're going to open up a little library area. Another learning point was, you know, we opened up, we just had one bathroom and then we're offering, you know, you can go get cleaned up in the bathroom, get a fresh set of clothes. We'll make you some food and you can hang out with us for an hour or you can stay all day if you want. Um, Man, those girls go in there, they'll be in there 45 minutes, trying on clothes, getting cleaned up. So I was like, all right, we need a second bathroom. So we did a second bathroom with a shower and then we actually put a dressing room in there so that they can actually try on these clothes and stuff like that. Mm.
0: Wow. What a gift. And you know, the coloring, the, uh, the art and the coloring books just make me think of you're really providing a space of um, stress relief, too, you know, because uh, a lot of times uh, adults color to just get stress relief, even if their, you know, mental capacity is maybe, you know, 13 or, you know, unfortunately, that's when the trauma first happens. And that's how your brain reacts as you're kind of like stunted at that um, age. So, you are supplying such an amazing uh, space for comfort, right? So, what is the main goal of Relentless Pursuit?
1: So, Relentless Pursuit, uh, bigger picture as an organization. So, we do a couple things. Uh, because of my background, want to be very, you know, basically, the, kinda gotta, I guess I kind of got to tell the, the story of how we got here. Um, a year and a half ago, I couldn't have told you what human trafficking was or, you know, whatever. You know, I was in the military in special operations. I was an Army Ranger. Uh been a fireman in Kansas City. I was a cop in Kansas City for a while. Uh, I was an analyst at the Department of Homeland Security. You know, everybody makes fun of me because I have I've had all these jobs, but you know, typically I always got drawn back into the point overseas, uh supporting the US government. Um but at different times again I would try to stop and you know I'd come be a fireman or come be a cop. But so I say all that uh, we were having a UFC fight party at my house, a fireman buddy of mine's wife, you know, cop buddies, everybody was coming over to watch fights. She was going to seminary school and she wrote a paper about domestic minor sex trafficking in Kansas City, Missouri.
0: Mm.
1: We over, We hadn't talked about it. And she's like, Hey, will you read that for me? And tell me what you think. Uh, yeah, life took a left turn after that. So mm. right, immediately I was like, you know, first frustration, right? You're like, man, how can I have been a you know special operations soldier, a cop, a firefighter, an analyst for the Department of Homeland Security, and nobody ever brought this to my attention or you know how's it it gets trained on right i mean i get trained on all kinds of other ridiculous stuff (laughs) right government or for the city because like oh you have to do this training every year so that you're aware of it how is human trafficking not part of that i find out because my friend's wife wrote a paper so it started out as more frustration uh and then that led to well let me let me confirm this right it's just a paper yeah i trust her but so a lot of a lot of google research a lot of figuring out what's going on in the city what what organizations are out there what's the city doing what's the state doing what's the federal government so led down this kind of landscape process me trying to figure out what was really going on Uh, so in that process obviously I confirmed yeah it is real holy crap and I was just like everybody else a lot of your listeners are probably you know the movie taken or that it's foreign girls you know Russian mail-order brides or girls being smuggled across the southern border you know into the sex trade oh this only goes on in vegas that's where i was too i mean that's, that's why i di- wasn't paying attention to it. it's like hey man it's not my problem right and then i read that paper and i started digging into it and you're like that's actually not the stats the stats are it's probably a girl that my teenage daughter goes to high school with or it's, it's a kid in our neighborhood it's somebody in the foster care system right here in kansas city uh this problem is literally right here yeah yeah so did all that research. Okay. So it legitimately is a problem. And it is right here in Kansas city at staggering numbers. Um, so that's when I started meeting like Russ Tuttle from the stop trafficking project, who he specializes like in education and awareness. He goes into elementary, middle and high schools, uh, exploitation of vulnerability and, and, and works with these kids on, you know, being safe on the internet. I mean, and he's just got some amazing stats. Everybody should go check out his website, but you know, he goes in and talks to these kids about the exploitation of vulnerabilities and, you know, hey, that guy that you think you're texting, he's a 42 year old man that's trying to get you to come meet him. And that's how you end up in this. Hmm. Uh, so I met he I thankfully met him really early on. Uh, so he kind of helped guide me through the whole nonprofit, you know, counter sex trafficking world, introduced me to a lot of people. I then met Christine McDonald at, at, at an event. And man, I just I hit it off with her almost immediately because she's one of the most amazing people ever. <laughs> uh, just a crazy story. You have to read her books. Um so, yeah, man, it just kind of started this. I just kind of started stumbling through it. I'm not a super smart guy. Uh, I just stumble through things and meet the right people at the right times. And it just all it's all just been kind of coming together. So, yeah, we finally decided to start a nonprofit and ended up naming it Relentless Pursuit. because so I figured with my background what I was going to bring to this fight, because you figure everybody can bring something. You just got to figure out what that is. Uh, yeah. With my background, it's going to be doing some kind of targeting and interdiction, supporting law enforcement, because I have a ton of friends in law enforcement, a ton of friends in the government. You know, it's most of my adult life was spent in, you know, targeting a different kind of evil and terrorism and and people trying to, you know, hurt the U.S. So I'm thinking that's not a huge leap to then go, well, let me just shift that to I'll hunt buyers and traffickers and and pimps and, you know, people like that. And so that's essentially what we did first. Uh, You know, we started talking to our law enforcement contacts and said, hey, man, where can we help you? And they were essentially, hey, man, we only... You'd be surprised at the lack of numbers of analysts and law enforcement that can be dedicated to that in the Midwest. Uh, mm. So they were like, you can help us there. So that was an immediate uh, thing we did was just help them in, in supplement their, you know, their analytical work, helping them target certain things, help build target packages. Um, and kind of thought it was going to end there. And a couple months into that, some of the senior law enforcement people we, we spoke to, they're like, hey, man, we love what you're doing. But if you really want to help, you need to build us a place to take these girls at two o'clock in the morning.
0: Mm.
1: they explained it to me like, Hey, we'll do a three month investigation. We'll take all this data. We'll do an investigation. We'll hit a house. We'll recover four or five girls and arrest five guys. Wow. Morning and we're law enforcement. And I'm sitting on the side of a corner with a girl who's high on meth, has mental health problems. She's, you know, just all over the place. And we don't know, we have no way to help her. So their options were either arrest her, which isn't healthy for anybody and it doesn't help her at all. Right. And she's definitely not going to give you any information to for follow on cases or they got to cut them loose. And then, you know, that's the sad part is they cut them loose and they know they're going to end up somewhere else doing the same thing. So that was kind of the conundrum they found themselves in. And they're <laughs> they said, you know, help us there.
0: My question now is, so they get, they bust a house, right? And my I, I'm always amazed when I hear that some of the, the houses are in suburbs. They're in really nice, afflu- uh, affluent uh, neighborhoods. They're not in, you know, what you would think of, of, you know, someone who has a a human trafficking or even a a seedy hotel, right? Like you see in the movies, it is someone's house. So are you guys providing a place for, like you mentioned, the woman who is maybe, you know, on drugs and has mental illness, are you providing a space for her to go um, to get rehabilitated, to get connected back to her family? Maybe there's other options for her later on, or is it just like, kind of you're just a resource center at the moment and that that all of that is coming later
1: you, you hit that one right there that, that's what's coming so our, our overarching goal is the drop-in center was project one right a place where these girls can walk in we can start to build that relationship so that six days or six years from now they'll know where to come uh this building has some apartments on the top so there's a, it's a two-story building on half it so that is going to be uh the first crisis center in, the, in, in Missouri. So that's where the girls could come from. Mm. That's going to be specifically to support law enforcement. Um, getting named after Mike Daniels, who was the FBI guy who just recently passed. He was the first guy, you know, in our journey that said, Lee, if you really want to help us, build us a place to take these girls. So that's what the crisis shelter piece would be for once we get that open. So that'll be two o'clock in the morning. They're doing a sting at the casinos or at a hotel or at a truck stop. And they... Rescue a couple of girls, and they're like, "Hey, we're law enforcement. We're good at that part. Now we got to figure out what to do with them. So we'll be a twenty-four hour crisis shelter, crisis and stabilization shelter, uh, where they'll be able to bring them here, and then they can stay there. And then what that looks like is like for up to ninety days. Um, okay. I think statistically, a lot of it is going to sound ridiculous, but going back to just getting the girl an ID. She's probably never had a job. She maybe didn't finish her high school diploma. So when we think in that ninety days we Can get a lot of them right back up on their feet. And A lot of these girls are even coming here, man. They're only two or three decisions away from being fine. I mean, mm. the other girls come through here. There's like, oh, I used to be in nursing school, and wow, you know, this guy, I got addicted to meth, and now my life sucks. And you're just like, oh, man, I just <laughs> let me hope you get an ID. And you know, so that's the crisis shelter will be for that. And, and in that 90 day period, we help find them either transitional housing if they're stable, get them the mental health needs that so they get that met uh get them off drugs you know obviously not in that order probably go the other order right. um, and then that 90 day we either help them with transitional housing now they have a job they finish up their high school diploma while they were with us we got them an id help them get their first job because it, that's one of the things that keeps not only these girls but you know humans in general stuck in this poverty this cycle of poverty is it's hard to go get a job when you're 30 years old and you've never had a job you have a hundred arrests on your record uh and you don't have an id right uh, Fixing some of what, you know, we say that's a relatively simple thing to fix. That's, that's the crisis and stabilization shelter part is in that 90 days, get them as far down that road as we can and get them on their feet and hopefully send them on their way uh, to bigger and better things. There'll be a percentage of those girls that aren't because of mental health or they just can't get off the drugs. So now you have your long-term residential um, places. So if you look at this drop-in center, crisis and stabilization, and then long-term where you have programs that are anywhere from nine months to 18 months long, uh, so here in Kansas city you have restoration house, they have a long-term program uh, hope city has a long-term program. And these are all people that we've met and partnered with where mm-hmm. uh, you can skip that middle step because we don't have the crisis shelter open yet. Right. So again, I, I think we've gotten seven girls in the shelters and most of those have been hope city who just, okay. they have here in the city. Um, and we get those girls over there we get them, you know, get them an interview. They get accepted into that. Uh, and hopefully it moves on. But yeah, our goal as a whole with relentless pursuit is, you know, drop-in center, crisis and stabilization shelter, and then either with partnered shelters, get them into that, or eventually, you know, hopefully years from now, we'll do our own uh, long-term residential shelter as well. And then that's all just the one piece, because then we still want to do all of our counter-demand work with law enforcement, uh, which, yeah, we won't talk a ton about that, but that, again, that's what got us started. And it's something yeah. we that I, I think has, has showed a lot of value. We're on the attorney general's human trafficking task force, Okay, right good. That her name's Allison Phillips. So that's for the Missouri Attorney General's office. We're working with Kansas Attorney General's office, um, but that task force is led by Allison Phillips and uh Dan Nash who's the head of human trafficking for the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Both rock stars, they're absolutely changing the landscape uh from this problem being as big as it is and it just feeling like nobody was really doing anything. Since they they've taken over and the last 6 months or a year has been something else. I mean, there's Good things coming down the road. They put together a really strong task force that's law enforcement centered and then bringing in the nonprofits, the victim advocates. Uh, So, Missouri will soon probably be setting the standard uh, on on this fight. They kind of really already are on the illicit massage businesses because that's another whole side of this, you know, versus. Wow. You got street level prostitution, you have online prostitution, right? Girls being (laughs) sold online Mm -hmm. was something I've just learned over the last few months. there's like a hierarchy to it, right? So, Independence yeah. is, is one of the worst strips in the country uh, and is used as punishment, apparently. So, they'll, they'll take the younger girls that are halfway put together, they sell them online because they can get more money for them, right? So, now that's a businessman flying into Kansas City, gets on, goes to Skip the Games or whatever, the multiple websites that are out there that you can do this, which is just blows my mind. I mean, you can wow. just throw a website and be like, yeah, I'm in room 305 in the Marriott and oh. order. Uh you're giving so me
0: chills. I had no idea. Had no oh, idea. It's, wow. It's
1: um, so that's like the younger higher end girls, because you know, the pimps and the traffickers, they're making more money off that. And that's uh yeah, you know, so you have that. That's so you have to from that. Now you have your street level prostitution. And unfortunately those are the girls that either defied their pimps online or got older, put on some weight, or just got so strung out on drugs, they're not bringing the money anymore. They end up on the corners. Uh, wow. still getting bought at a at a rapid rate. And it's not some scumbag, you're like, oh yeah, some scumbag went underbought a girl. No, dude, it's doctors, lawyers, teachers. Wow, people from Johnson County. <laughs> I
0: mean, right? Wow.
1: Buying human, and, and that's one of the big things we're trying to change. Is that's it's just unacceptable. But
0: well, I mean, and I, I I'm going to interrupt you just for a quick second. You're good to to kind of we're talking about the Midwest, the middle of the country. And one of the things that I had always heard statistically is how, because of where we're located with two major highway, two major arteries that go through here that go to, you know, coast to coast across the United States and North and South is the Midwest is Kansas city. One of the highest rates for human trafficking.
1: Absolutely. And it's exactly what you said. And then, you know, uh, Polaris has done a lot of good studies. There's been a lot of academic studies done. A lot of statistics are out there. You can, read them until you're blue in the face uh mm. but they they all do have that thing in common so yeah major avenues of approach i-70 435 you know we have bus stations train stations um one which is really unfortunate considering my background too is anywhere there's military bases so now you wow. look at now you look at that we have leavenworth fort riley you know we have Whiteman,
0: military, yeah
1: Whiteman Air force base so we have a lot of uh military installations Lots of big interstates that travel the whole country. We're just, we're right in the middle. You're going to pass through here. You know, if everybody still wants to believe the old wives' tales that, oh, this only happens in Miami and Houston and Chicago. Well, guess where you have to come through? If you're moving a girl from Miami to bring her up to Chicago to make some more money, you're coming through Kansas City and you're going to sell her on the way. That is the definition of trafficking. Around, uh, I mean, one of the craziest stats is, you know, the, the biggest day for human trafficking is Super Bowl Sunday.
0: Oh, you gave me chills.
1: Ugh. And then the, the other ones are you know, political conventions, whether it's Democrat or Republican national conventions. It's anytime you take men with power and money and you put them in one local event, the pimps know that, you know, if I'm in Atlanta, there's only so many girls, normal, daily, street, prostitution-level girls, and so many girls are selling online at any one time in Atlanta, for an example. Well, if you do something big there and it draws a bunch of powerful people with money that are going to be there over the weekend, well, then they traffic girls to that location that reason to meet supply it's a supply and demand problem is all it is wow
0: so so my listeners are you know military veterans small business owners from all over the, the world and especially the country so if they're listening to this and they're not in the Kansas City area you know what is uh what would you recommend for them to if they wanted to get involved whether it's with you or someone in their local area
1: uh ma'am, my first recommendation is always I mean, educate yourself on the on the problem first. Right. And then, cause again, I was there a year and a half, almost two years ago that I had no idea about any of this. I was with everybody else that so this doesn't happen. It's not a Kansas city problem. It's, you know, again, the, the, the take in the movie scenario. Um, so number one is always, yeah, do your own research, man. Convince yourself. Stats are out there. There's enough, you know, credible organizations out there that are doing these studies and, and putting the information out there. You just got to go find it. So definitely educate yourself on it. And then the next thing is, we always get, we get that question a lot about, you know, what can we do to help you? And I was like, man, you're the only one that can answer. You know, you know what your strengths are. You know where your talent is. Uh, you know what you bring to the table. I I have no idea what you as a person could bring to the table. So educate yourself on the problem. And then, you know, you, it'll, it'll hit you. You'll be like, Oh, my strength is fundraising or my strength is construction or my strength is talking to people. Uh, there's a, there's a way to fit yourself into this fight, no matter what your skill is. Uh I mean, that's, Hell, half the time right now, we're looking for people that are strong in plumbing and electrical (laughs) work because we're renovating a building.
0: Uh, Right.
1: Everybody's heart doesn't have to be that, oh, I want to sit and talk to these girls or I want to, you know, I want to be on the law enforcement side and I want to go catch these bad guys. I mean, if if those aren't your two passions, then, man, I'm telling you, there is something else. There's something in this fight for you.
0: Got it. And so you're here in Kansas City, but you're, you know, if you are listening to this and you're like, well, I wonder what's in my neighborhood. Is there is there a specific website that you would recommend that they go to, or maybe a task force on their local police force?
1: Uh, Yeah. Kansas City, there's obviously we're super educated on everything that's going on in Kansas City, but man, you can start with Polaris. Uh, They're probably the national leader in this. So they, in between Polaris, uh, the center for missing and exploited children, you know, there's the national human trafficking hotline. And again, if you just start there, you kind of start at the top and start working your way down. There's amazing organizations and, Almost every state. I mean, we've talked to everybody from uh, Seattle. There's an organization out there called REST. Uh, and that's kind of who we modeled ourselves after, right? I mean, again, we didn't invent any of this. We, we're not trying to take the credit. Say, hey, look at our great idea. We went and met people and talked to people and, and got people involved and then just said that seems to be working and that seems like that fits here. So let's just do that. So yeah, rest in Seattle is an amazing organization that kind of did the same thing. They put a drop down where you would think you wouldn't want to start a nonprofit, right. Down where that, down where it's going on. Because mm-hmm. Even to me, it sounded a little counterintuitive at first, but I thought, you know, well, those girls can't catch a bus across town. I mean, you got to put it where they can walk to it right. because that's how they get around. So, um, yeah, I, I would start at Polaris and, you know, some of the national human trafficking websites, uh, and, and and figure it out in whatever city you're in, and, and just get in the fight.
0: Wow. Well, Lee, you are so uh, you're. You can tell that you're passionate about this, and I think um you mentioned that you had a daughter, so I, I just feel like any father out there who has a daughter can really like think like, how could I get involved because that could be my daughter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Or, you know, your sister. I mean, that's everybody has a woman that they're close to. right? Uh, and I mean, that's uh, reading. You know, I stumbled again. I stumbled through everything, but I read Christine McDonald's book after I met her. So I think it was more impactful because I was like, I actually knew her as a person. And then I read this book about everything that she lived through. And you're just like, I mean, you're just, you're blown away. And I think even if you read it without meeting her, you'd still be blown away. But uh, I read that. I, you know, I'm on an airplane a lot traveling back and forth, but. So I read that in a couple airplane rides and then I came across Rebecca Bender's book um, and she's out of Oregon. And those i now I've started to recommend to any man or even woman that wants to get involved is like, go read same kind of human from Christine McDonald and then immediately read Rebecca Bender's book in pursuit of love because they're, they're the same story. But I think, it, I don't know. It did something to me where I was like, you know, Christine McDonald was the classic case the at risk youth that you're like, your mind can process that. You're like, dude, that was a horrible story, but I see it, you know, mm-hmm. sold by her mom at eight years old for stable housing. Mm. You know, in a strip club by the time she's 15, strung out on drugs uh, and all the way to being a street level prostitute, you know, for 17 years on, uh, you know, six different pimps. And I mean, just But your mind can at least wrap that story around. Right. You can go like, oh, well, yeah, at risk youth. That's, you know, foster care. You know, I can see how this happens. So I read it and it's like, oh, horrible story. We got to you know, we got to get in this fight. And then I read Rebecca Bender's book. And that's where I went, holy shit, that's my daughter, mm. you know, normal family, you know, you know, stable family. Mm-hmm. Straight A student, had a, st- a soccer scholarship, I believe, uh, to Oregon State University. I mean, just on the path, like like my daughter. Uh, and then, you know, you'll have to read the book. But yeah, you know, ends up pregnant, you know, tries to go to college, uh, ends up getting exploited by this dude that convinces her to move to Vegas. And he's going to take care of her family. You know, and she ends up getting sold and in, in, on the Vegas Strip for like six years. Uh, and you read through her book and just... She does a really good job of just explaining the brainwashing cycle mm-hmm. and, you know, answering those questions that everybody is it's always in the back of everybody's mind, including mine. So it's like, why don't you just leave? And, you know, so she addresses those in specific chapters, which I thought she handled it great. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely changed the way I processed the information, too. So reading those two books back to back uh, was helpful to me, man. But just kind of gives you the, the breadth of the problem. And, and it's like, you know, it's not just one set of vulnerable people. It can happen to anybody, but you get, you know, so educate yourself on it, read those books. Uh, I would challenge anybody to say if you read both those books, do a little bit of research. And if you, after doing all that and you don't get in the fight in some level, whether that's, you know, even if it's just donating money every month to a, a whatever nonprofit you want that you think is doing a good job or fun, you know, cleaning out your closet and bringing, you know, clothes down to a nonprofit that's doing something like this. Uh, yeah. So I'm not even trying to pitch for relentless pursuit, but I'm saying if you can read both those books and do five hours worth of research, uh, you 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 would have to be moved to get in to this fight at some level, right? I mean, can't think of a more horrendous crime than somebody thinking they can sell a girl.
0: So. Yeah, and I had um, not myself personal experience, but I've had heard stories from younger teenage girls. Um, I'm a hairstylist as well, and so I have a salon, and girls will come in to get you know their hair done and stuff for the dances. And they were like, oh, yeah, I am I mean, I have a boyfriend here, but I'm talking to this guy online and it could be literally he could live anywhere. Um, and my question then back on my mind is always has always been, how do you know he's not trying to like literally what you said? Come stay with me. I'll take care of you and eventually end up, you know, selling them. I think what is a, a, mis, a misinformation is that You hit the nail on the head that it comes from women who are, you know, came from bad families. No, these men are trained, unfortunately, to hit the vulnerable spot of whatever that is. It could literally just been a fight with the parents um, or a fight with a boyfriend. And they go in like a, a target literally uh, a heat seeking missile and go in and know the exactly the right questions to ask and to manipulate and brainwash and gaslight to get these women to go Yeah. Come, come, come send me a ticket. I will come meet you. And I mean, they're, pre- they're predators. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Unfortunately, one of the all too common ones we see now, obviously with, with social media and you know, every kid having a, a damn smart computer in their hand and that's what Russ Toto does a great job of explaining is, is send one nude picture to a dude. He's got you. Yeah. He's gonna, he'll use that as, he'll extort you and say, send me more. Or I'm going to send that out to all, every kid in school or I'm going to, I'm going to post it on online. So now this poor 15 or 13 year old girl that, you know, already doesn't have the mental capacity to do complex problem solving. She's like, Oh shit, this dude's got a naked picture of me. Cause I, you know, I sent a picture. So now he wants more. Now he wants a video. And then they just use that, you know. Unfortunately, they have a name for it. It's sextortion. <laughs> it's like the fact that we have to have a name for something like that that happens so often in, to these kids in middle school and high school. They go, Oh, yeah, my boyfriend asked me for a, a nudie and I sent it to him. That's how, unfortunately, that's how a lot of the time it starts. And then it's not a huge leap to go from that to then he just uses that picture to get more. He uses that picture to get videos and just starts threatening you with it. And then pretty soon it's like, well, Hey, come meet me. And then, then all that is a hit of meth. Uh, or some crack, and all of a sudden, you know, six years later, you're gonna be walking into the door of this building and us trying to get you out of it. And it starts mm-hmm. with a, some vulnerable teenager sending a stupid picture.
0: Well, and do you find some are maybe roofied as well, you know, where they don't recall anything?
1: I'm sure that's how it happens a lot initially, right? I mean, it's whatever they gotta to do to get you into uh, a crack house, a meth house, you know, in, in a part of the city that some of these girls would never even expect to be. And so, you know, I'm talking, You know, girls in the suburbs think they're talking to the right dude. And, yeah, it's one too many drinks of alcohol, uh, them slipping something into your drink, uh, one hit of meth. I mean, it's crazy. Mm. It's heartbreaking.
0: Sure. So how can people connect with you, um, you know, if they want to to help out? Is there a a website we talked about in the show notes? So is there a website that they can connect with you? Maybe they want to come and um, donate time or money or maybe, even like you said, some clothes or something. Absolutely.
1: So yeah, our our website is rpor.org, and that's for Relentless Pursuit, Outreach and Recovery. Unfortunately, we always shorten it up and we're Relentless Pursuit, but it's technically Relentless Pursuit, Outreach and Recovery, and our website's rpor.org. Um, from there, uh, yeah, we have places where you can donate money. You can give monthly, one-time donations. Um, you can hit all of our social media from there. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just like everybody else. We're working on a YouTube channel. We're actually having our website redone right now. So um, yeah, they can hit us up on that, and then there's a contact form on there, which uh, I find that just from people that we don't know, just word of mouth, we, we've met so many people that are coming down here and volunteering for shifts at the drop-in center. Um, during the eight hours we're open, you know, people come down here, and, and we usually take, like, one new volunteer each day that we're open, just, a, you know, three or four of us that have been doing this for a minute. Um, and my advice on that is, you know, always just come down and do a shift before you you, you sign up for a whole bunch because it, it may not be what you think it is. And some people have really taken to it, and then some people have come down here and been like, yeah, this isn't my cup of tea, but I tell you what, I'll bring you some clothes or I'll, you can sign up to bring us a meal. And we have this meal train thing where people can just go on there and they can take a day and say, Hey man, I'll provide chili for next Saturday. Um, so yeah, it should be easy enough to find on the website and you can hit us. We have a contact form there where you can hit us. And that's just me or somebody on the board and respond back. And we get a lot of donations that way. Um, and just meet a lot of, a lot of people that ask us how they can get in and help and, we usually start with, you know, just come down and come down and see the property, see what we're doing. Uh, it's not a secret location. It was never the intent. The, the, intent was just to be a, a shining light at the gates of hell to say, come on in and see what we're doing.
0: So, I love that. So I I I like to end, Lana, on a positive note. So what would be a mission statement or a vision for your um, relentless pursuit?
1: Or I think what have we been calling it? Our, Big, holy, audacious goal is to end human trafficking in our lifetime. Mm. And
0: awesome. it's
1: relative. We're relatively unrealistic, but you make that your goal to end human trafficking in our lifetime. I mean, are we going to end it? Probably not. But we absolutely plan on making a dent in it uh, and starting out here, saying, you know, Kansas City and then Missouri as a whole. Hopefully, we can get traffickers equipped driving. Hopefully, they'll start driving around us because we want to make it so difficult here with our because something you don't see in this in this field is nonprofits partnering with law enforcement. There's usually been this back and forth between those two, so I, I think that's something that's apart um is like, hey, man, it, no one group can can fix this. You can't arrest your way out of this problem. You can't, you know, law enforcement can't get us out of this. But by themselves, but neither can a nonprofit. Neither can a church. If everybody's not willing to work together, and that's what our, our attorney general's task force is built around, is that that mindset of it take, it's going to take all of us. So. Yeah, our big goal is uh, to say we want to end human trafficking in Kansas City and Missouri in our lifetime while we're here.
0: Mm, Awesome. Well, Lee, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And um, if you want to get a hold of Lee, it is rpor.org. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Hey. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.